Hello, you're listening to Yarns from the Plane, a podcast for knitters, crocheters, and anyone who loves to play with yarn. And welcome to episode 26 of Yarns from the Plain. Now, don't keel over with shock. I know it's a week since I last recorded, but it's actually only a day since I finished editing and put it up the last episode. So don't, you know, keel over and think there's something wrong that you're getting another episode now. But I wanted to tell you all about um, the Oxfordshire County and Tame show and my small part that I played in it. Now, those of you who were listening last year will remember I took my sound recorder out. Um, I was stewarding on my own. My mum and dad were at a wedding. And so I took my sound recorder out and I was describing cows to you and sheep and the sheep show and everything else like that. I'm afraid to say this year I was a terrible podcaster, mainly because I was actually there with my mum and dad and with my husband for a large part of the day and I just was overcome with um, a number of emotions but predominantly the need, the need to actually keep a discreet low profile um, since my mum and dad don't actually know that I do the podcast it, it's not that it's a big secret or anything but I don't think they'd really understand it they don't really understand the whole sort of social networking thing and they can't understand why I'd want to listen to other people talk about their knitting um, let alone talk to other people about mine. So um, I didn't take my voice recorder with me. And I realised afterwards that although I took a reasonable amount of photographs, I took very few photographs of the handicraft section. So I apologise in advance for that. Um, but hopefully I can recall um, things and talk to you about the show. And this episode, I'm afraid to say, has a subtitle thank you Louise, of the me, 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 me show, um, for reasons that will become apparent. Now, let's, uh, let's rewind to last week, and I, I mentioned that I was submitting a whole lot of things, um, nine different things in the handicrafts classes, two in the photographs and the lemon curd, and of course, um, I think I recorded last week after the lemon curd had failed to to thicken. Well, we put it in the fridge overnight and it really wasn't any thicker. And when my mum tasted it, she said she could still taste the raw egg yolks in it. So we decided that that was a no-no and it wasn't going to be something that I was going to put in. I mean, it's one thing thinking that perhaps, you know, a handicraft item isn't quite finished to the standard you would like, but you'll put it in anyway. Quite another thing potentially giving the judges salmonella. So I thought, right, I'll, I'll not bother with that. Um, but I took along two photographs um, for the photography class and nine entries in the handicrafts class. Now, um, again, if you've been listening for a while, you'll know that I really sort of got into photography um, last summer, really, when I went on the um, photographing units or styling units um, workshop with Mary Jane Muckleston on Knit Camp. Mary Jane Muckleston had um, been a photo editor on Interweave Knits and um, designs her own things and had, takes the most spectacular photographs. She'd mentioned Flickr and a lot of the community groups within that. That ended up getting me involved in a 365 project, which ends in about three weeks, um, a self-portrait project. 
and through that I then started to develop photography skills my husband bought me a digital SLR for Christmas and I've just been having a great time um, with it and I decided that I would enter the two photography classes that were open to adults um, in the Tame Show this year one of them was the uh, was called Country Life and the other was called My Pet. Now with Country Life I had visions of my godmother's husband who was a stockman and runs an apiary business, um, bees and honey. And he has the stoop and the role of a man who's spent a large portion of his life on a milking stool with his head against a cow's flank because he milked all of his cows, uh, the cows in, in his herd that he, he managed by hand um, all through his working life. And he walks with a, a wonderful role. And I had visions in my head that my country life picture was going to be uh, my Uncle John, as I call him, walking across the fields with his stick and his cap on. Um, and he always wears um, country clothes, you know, um, cordy-type trousers, a twill shirt, um, a barber gilet, you know, flat cap, stick. Uh, possibly I'd encourage him to maybe take his shotgun out and, you know, across the field, black and white shot across a stubbly field. Um, of him. Uh, unfortunately, he's not been terribly well um, and he's waiting for a gallbladder operation, which I think he goes in for tomorrow. So, you know, fingers crossed, Uncle John. Um, so that wasn't to be. So I ended up um, hunting desperately at the Northumberland County show in May and taking a photograph of the tops of walking sticks. I think I've mentioned before stick dressing. Um, it's a, a country craft where you dress the top of a walking stick um, with a horn or a wooden handle um, and it might be plain or it might be carved and there was a, a stick dressing competition at the Northumberland show um, there used to be one at the Tame show but there isn't any more and um, I had a look and took some photographs of there plus there was a display by um, a chap called I think it was Wilf Laidlaw um, who had a number of sticks there for sale. So I took a really tight crop of some of the sticks there and um, tweaked it a little bit um, to enhance it. Not anything major, just brought the colours up a little bit and sharpened the tone. So that was my country life shot. Um, my pet shot, well, you know, had I had Lil, I could have taken many pet pictures, but Stell does not pose. Stell does not let me get near her with a camera, and she turns it back on most occasions. So my chance of taking a pet picture with Stella were quite slim. So I decided that I would borrow somebody's bunny rabbit. I'd taken a really nice shot um, of a rabbit at the Northumberland show from underneath its muzzle so it's it's its nose and its mouth were in focus its eyes weren't quite in you know as much in focus and its ears were off and it was one of those lovely um, Dutch rabbits that have got the the white face and the white shoulders and the dark body and the dark neck and long sticky up rabbity ears so when a colleague said I could borrow her rabbit to take photographs that's what I had in my head when I arrived to take photographs what she actually had was a seven and a half year old grumpy bunny who didn't want his photo taken at all with long dangly flopsy ears and it was all of kind of a brindle colour you know the sort of the beigey browny black speckled and it, I couldn't get the shot that I had in my head from the Northumberland show that I couldn't use because it had cage wire in front of it um, so I 
my colleague said she spent the most entertaining half hour cooking her husband's tea that she's ever had watching me out of her kitchen window as I was laying and leopard crawling across the front lawn with my camera desperately trying to get a picture of Elmer her rabbit I ended up with quite a tight um, crop of his head as he was eating the lupins it wasn't a fantastic shot because you couldn't really see um, his eyes because he has quite droopy eyelids um, so his eyes were in shade but I, I wasn't going to get anything better um, from anybody else's pet so that was uh, you know my two pictures for that so I, I printed them off um, 8 by 12 inch and got them mounted so those were those um, ready for the geography class and then the the handicrafts classes now here lay tales the first class that I was entering was 107 the knitted item which was a hat scarf gloves or socks and I thought haha what an excellent opportunity to finish my Poshman mittens. Do you remember? I reviewed this pattern way back last spring. It's um, the Northman mitt patterns by um, David at Southern Cross Fibres. It's a lovely stranded mitten with snowflake pattern on. And I was knitting it in posh yarn and I've knit one mitten. I finished it, the first mitten, last June or July, I think. Haven't knit the second mitten at all. Wonderful, wonderful reason to knit that second mitten, I thought, when I was looking at this back in April and May. Fabulous. You'll not be surprised to know that I never even cast on that second mitten. Um, so I ended up submitting uh, a chevron scarf. The pattern is from uh, Last Minute Knitted Gifts, and it's... A really nice pattern, and it's designed to be knit with two colours of Koigu. Um, I knit it with two colours of Poshyan Emily, um, Polynesia, which is a green, and, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the brown, but I called it my mint chalk chip scarf. Now, I actually finished it. Um, I knitted it as part of the Ravel Olympics in 2008, so I finished it over three years ago, but I've never worn it. I've had it rolled up and then never actually worn it. Um, so I decided, right, that would go in for my knitted item. A knitted baby item I decided was going to be a February baby sweater by Elizabeth Zimmerman from, Zimmerman from the Knitter's Almanac. So I knit it in Debbie Bliss Rialto 4-ply, which is a 4-ply washable merino. It's really nice actually, a little bit splitty when you knit it. Um, I chose a sort of a pistachio green maybe maybe not quite as strong as pistachio but it's sort of a palish lightish green so not a mid green but it's not you know a pastel real baby pastel but I decided that the cast on and cast off edge were going to be done in a mauve to pick it up really and it's going to have a little mauve button so it's got three flowery mauve buttons and I cast that on when I was on the Year 6 Residential in June, um, much to everyone's amusement. When I was in the communal room, I would normally be there. When I was sat in the corridors of an evening, waiting for the children to be asleep, I would be there. Now, you know me, typical down to the wire. I was still knitting it the day before the show. I was still knitting it Friday. I sewed the last button on at about midnight on oh, Saturday morning it's a good job it's predominantly knit in one piece and all I had to see was the sleeves because I was just ah, 
running out of time. But it's a nice construction. You start, it's uh, top down, garter stitch yoke, um, comes to the, to the gull lace pattern, which is a nice seven stitch lace pattern. Um, it gives little V's, it's very nice. After you've done about four and a half inches, you then split for the sleeves and you knit each sleef down separately. Um, Elizabeth Zimmerman's instructions are to still do them back and forth and then seam them up the side. Other people have done them with DPNs, but I didn't have um, DPNs to hand at the time when I split for the sleeves, so I stuck with doing them back and forth. They are pithy instructions, Elizabeth Zimmerman describes them as. I have to say, um, I found a raveller's notes really, really helpful for this. It was the notes done by, I think her name is Melisa, her ravelry name is Melisa, and she originally hated the pattern um, when she was working on it, and but then decided that she was determined she was going to finish this sweater for her baby, and used the pattern and made her own notes for it, which actually she's put up on Ravelry and I found really, really useful. So um, I, I consulted those a lot uh, as I was making this knitted baby garment. I have to say, I really did like it. Really liked it. It's a cute little jacket. Really pleased. For the crochet item entry, I decided that I was going to do crochet a circle scarf. Um, this is a pattern that nearly everybody in my knit group seems to have done apart from me and it's you know it's a nice pattern it's done in strips so you start with a foundations chain you then crochet semicircles down one side of the foundation chain you've made little loops in the foundation chain that are the center of your crochet semicircles you then come round the other side complete the circles so you then have a strip of circles you then do the second row in the same way but when you come round to complete the second side of the semicircles on the second row, you actually attach them to the first row so that you have got then a complete link now of two of these strips of circles but they're already joined together, you haven't got to stitch them together which of course, you know, wins prizes with me because you know I'm not, I'm, I'm all about avoiding the stitching all about avoiding the stitching so I'm really pleased with that. It's, I think the original pattern was done with um, a Noro, but everybody in my knit group was knitting them with Zab Ball um, with the long colour changes on that. So I had did this in a pinky, reddy, purpley Zab Ball, um, which of course I can't now remember the colour of. And because I haven't been uploading projects on Ravelry as I've done them, um, I didn't actually get it sorted so I'll have to go when I go back to knit group um, hopefully I'm going to go tomorrow I shall have to um, find the colour and then I can actually put my 
um, circle scarf up on Ravelry. Um, but I was really pleased with that. I finished it on the Monday before the show, but decided that I would actually um, add a little fringe of tinier circles. So on the Tuesday, I added those using a smaller needle. The strips, I used a 3.75 millimeter hook. And so then I used a three millimeter hook to make little circles um, and then chained uh, different lengths of chain on them and attached them. Um, but I really like it and it's, you know, it's really nice. It's by Linda Perman. It was originally published in Inside Crochet, but she now has it available um, as a PDF because it's past the six, six months that uh, she needs to to keep it with Inside Crochet. It is published on the PDF with American... Um, crochet terminology rather than British because I think she is American but she is um, you know she's absolutely lovely and she was so delighted um, that we were doing a, a crochet along with it that she did say when I actually contacted them her about it she said if she want if I wanted she would convert it into um, English terms for me but I'm okay with that. Um, pattern's available for five US dollars um, if you don't have the November 2010 issue of Inside Crochet, where it was originally listed. So that was my crochet item. I The, the fourth item I entered was an embroidered picture. Now, um, way before I picked up my knitting needles again um, in earnest in 2006, um, I was embroidering. In fact, I've always really had some sort of embroidery or cross stitch on the go since I was probably about 14. Um, sometimes it's taken me a long time to finish it and in fact this crochet picture is the first one I've finished since 1996. Um, since I've been knitting I've not really done any at all and I'd have periods of time where I'd put it by because it's just too dark or I'm too tired to be able to work on them. Um, but I've done several from kits um, either from Patterns from Woman's Weekly. My two favourite ones are patterns that were in Woman's Weekly in about 1984, um, using a variety of embroidery stitches, one of Queen Elizabeth I and one of King Charles II. They're actually the second and third out of a set of three, and the first one was Henry VIII, but I've never found that. We only found the second pattern when we were around my nan's one day. Um, so, you know, if anybody has that woman's weekly pattern <laughs> of uh, King Henry VIII in embroidery stitches, I would pay you good money for it because I would love to be able to do the third one um, of it to, to make a full set. But that's by the by. Anyway, this pattern is the first one that I actually designed myself. Well, I don't think it's the first one I designed myself, but it's certainly the first one I designed myself that I've actually finished. So... Um, it was based on some ideas from a Joe Verso book. Anyone who's done a lot of cross-stitch design may well be familiar with Joe Verso's work. Um, but she published some books at the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, with a lot of motifs. And this is one that I designed for a bathroom um, when I was living in the house prior to the one I live in now. Now, we've been here nine years, um, and I definitely had started it before I left that house. I can't remember at what point I designed it for which 
bathroom where we were. I know that sounds very bizarre, but um, I decorated the bathroom in my old house a couple of times. So, But I would guess that it's probably 12 or 13 years since I started it. It has a piece of poetry from John Macefield, the Poet Laureate. Uh, it's the first verse of... Um, I'm not sure actually what the poem's called, but the first verse is, I must go down to the seas again, to the lonely sea in the sky, and all I ask is a tall ship and a star to steer her by. And I did borrow the ideas heavily from one that was within um, Joe Verso's book, but it's got that verse and a sailing ship underneath it. Some compass roses, uh, no, a compass rose in the middle above it, and a couple of ship's wheels. Um, underneath it there's some... Uh, next to the boat, there's some dolphins. Across the top, there's an octopus and some little prawns. Along the bottom, there's a crab and some uh, fish. And then down either side is, on down one side is my name, and down the other side, my maiden name. And down the other side is my husband's name, spelt out in um, nautical flags. So um, they don't quite balance but I spaced them out so that they do balance um, each individual motif I drew on squared paper and cut out and then moved them around on a big piece of squared paper and stuck them down um, to make the design so although I've borrowed heavily from Joe Verso's ideas and all the motifs are hers um, the actual layout is my layout um, because the version that she'd got in her book didn't have the motifs or the ships or anything that, that I've got. They had different with mermaids and, and everything else. So I was quite pleased with that. So I got that out, dusted that off, um, got it finished a couple of weeks before the show, but not with enough time to actually get it professionally framed and mounted, because um, it takes sort of two to three weeks to get it professionally mounted um, in the shops around here. So I was left with the, the quandary of what to do because I know from past experience from something I entered back in the show over 25 years ago that they do prefer embroidery work to be, mount, uh, to be sort of mounted at least, if not framed. So um, the lady in the mounting shop I spoke to said, well, you could get away with a, a 12 by 16 frame and a bit of board behind it and lace it up. So that's exactly what I did. I bought some foam board I stretched it out and laced it up and framed it it's not fantastically framed and I am going to take it back to the professional framers to frame it but um, it's you know I'm, I managed to frame it for the show and I was quite pleased with that I had a little stand for it to stand on so I was quite pleased with that the fifth item I entered was a beaded bracelet um, the class was any item of beadwork and I jokingly said to my mum that I was planning on um, entering as many items as possible, just to, you know, give it a boost. Um, but I had never beaded before in my life, and I ended up going to the local bead shop that my mum likes to go to when she visits, and they were having a, a beading course, um, and there was a space on it, so I ended up going to that and spending a lovely three hours learning how to... Um, bead of a specific pattern called a spiral rope um, so I put my first piece in that I, I started there and finished afterwards now it was baggy the tension isn't right I wasn't pulling the thread tight enough and on subsequent pieces that I, I've started in the last um, few days I can definitely see a difference in my tension but I thought well you know I'll put it in I knew it wasn't going to win um, 
the first price in that because A, it was too baggy, and B, um, my mum had actually entered, I managed to persuade my mum to enter one of her pieces in there, and she makes these beaded um, bauble covers for Christmas based on the Deb Moffat Hall designs, if you've ever done any beading. And they, it, it was just exquisite. It's her um, Holly and Pon, Ponsettia one that she completed she completed it in time for last Christmas and it is just exquisite so I was pretty confident who was going to win first prize in that class the next class was an item of patchwork and I didn't have anything for that um, so the next thing I entered was an item made from recycled materials now I had scoured and scoured and scoured shops looking for an old fair aisle um, jumper or tank top I have one that um, my mum made for me when I was 12 and I love it and I obviously can't fit in it anymore but it's predominantly acrylic so it won't felt and I was looking for a wool one because I wanted to felt the cut it, cut it apart, felt it or felt it and cut it apart and make a tea cosy out of it um, but I just couldn't find anything I think if it's good quality um, knitwear it tends to get swiped out of the um, charity shops before it even gets onto the shop floor I think the vintage buyers scour don't they looking for things like that so um, that wasn't to be so I ended up making a um, wine bottle gift bag out of several pages of the Financial Times if you're not familiar with the Financial Times um, it's actually printed on a pinkish newspaper it, it's a newspaper obviously based on um, it's a broadsheet it's called the financial times so it's very much looking at uh, the economics and the markets and business um and it's it's pink so um i'm used spray mount fixed um three pages that together to make it a little stiffer and then made a simple gusseted gift bag with holes punched at the top used a piece of recycled um gift ribbon that had been on one of my presents from the children um, when i'd finished term to make the handle made a little card gift card uh, and made this gift bag the next one was three handmade cards for different occasions um so i made a 50th wedding card a birthday card and a new baby girl card um i don't know if anyone makes any cards um using paper techniques but i used lasse for two of them which is where you use a stencil to cut out um, pieces that you then lace together and I used iris folding for the baby card um, using pink papers to make a folded paper pattern behind an oval aperture um, stuck a little teddy bear on it I will put some photos up um, the next class I entered was a cushion uh, any medium with pad. Now, again, in my grand plan, my grand plan here of preparation for the show, uh, which presumably was made on a deluded day when I forgot I actually worked full time, um, I was going to go upstairs, go and get my Alice Starmore keynote cushion kit, and I was going to knit a stranded colour work cushion. Yeah, I know. Obviously a bit, you know, <laughs> no, it, you know, it got to the beginning of July and I hadn't started it 
and at that point I still hadn't finished the crochet scarf and I hadn't finished the baby garment and I hadn't done the cards at all and I hadn't finished the embroidered picture and I hadn't even made the gift bag although I knew what I'd done. The only thing I had finished was the the scarf the knitted scarf from three years ago and the beaded bracelet so at that point I just knew that it wasn't it was going to be a non-starter so I was trying to think what I could do instead and the weekend before had been Woolfest in Cumbria and I'd gone up to Woolfest and I it is a spinner's paradise and I bought towards the end of the show and and therefore been given discount on it um two carded bats of Gotland fleece, one in a light grey and one in a mid grey. And I bought with the intention of spinning them. The following weekend, I'd then gone to the wool experience at um, Wildball Clough, which was just lovely, um, very small. And I'd bought some raw locks of um, Gotland. Um, so I thought I could wash some of the locks. Uh, and use some of those and then I had um, a swap parcel and in there were some Gotland locks from a third flock so I thought right if I wet felt the carded bats there was about 150 grams in each bat um, to make two pieces of fabric to make the cushion out of and then needle felt some of the locks onto it well so not the Sunday before the show saw me up nice and early I got out the the term had finished so that was it there was no school work over the weekend so I got out these two bats they were huge thankfully so I was able to split them into four pieces and I decided rather than have one light side and one medium grey side I would mix the two together um, and therefore get some interesting marble colour effects. So I undertook my first ever go at wet felting on the kitchen floor. So I'd got big towels laid out on the kitchen floor, huge pieces of bubble wrap, four, I think I managed about eight layers because I'd split each um, piece into four and was able to fold it over. I had sort of six to eight layers of Gotland fleece on each piece, squirted um, warm soapy water on them, rubbed them with more bubble wrap, rolled them up, trod on them with the towel, really, really, really felted them. Um, I'd managed the first one. By the time I came to the second one, I was running, I mean, not to paint, it was a horrible picture, I really don't want to paint this picture too much, but I was, it was a warm day, and I was sweating cobs over this. Um, so I have to say the second piece wasn't quite as firmly felted as the first one because I was knackered by this stage. But my husband came down the stairs and walked into the kitchen and said, why does the house stink of wet sheep? It was like, hmm, well, darling, really sorry. <laughs> um, so I made these two pieces of grey um, fabric. They were around about... Um, 20 inches by 18 each um, some thinner patches where I hadn't got quite so many layers but you know it was reasonably thick it wasn't you know it wasn't coaster thick but I would say a good um, half an inch thick 
um, in most places over it. So I'd, you know, had worked quite hard on them. So they were out drying in the garden. Um, the next day I then washed, which is my first ever go at washing raw fleece. Um, so I washed the locks um, in a bowl in the kitchen sink. Oh man. If I thought the wet felting had made my hands smell sheepy, then washing these locks had certainly, certainly made them smell sheepy. I mean, they were just like, I just, oh. oh. At one point I said to my, to, to my husband, I'm going off for a shower. And he said, no, you don't need a shower. You need some sheep dip. You smell of a sheep. Um, so I dried out the two pieces of fabric. I cut them um, into sort of large so just over 16 inch squares, seamed them together hand stitched because I'm a bit scared of my machine. And I actually wasn't quite convinced that two thicknesses of the felt would actually go through underneath my the foot of my machine anyway. Um, sort of hand stitched a piece either side of the fourth side, turned it round the right way and then decided I would try and put some... Um, you know, I would I would felt the locks, these now lovely clean locks. There were some really dark grey locks from um, one flock, um, and in fact from a from a sheep called Diesel. I even know its name. And the other were almost white in places, creamy yellow in others, but really nice. So I picked them up um, and sort of said to my husband, right, okay, where shall I put them up? Well, unfortunately, the piece of fleece that I picked up was triangular and with long curly locks on it well the pair of us fell apart now this is really crude so if you don't like crudeness I am really sorry please fast forward by about you know 30 seconds to a minute but the pair of us looked at each other and we just went merkin now if you don't know what a merkin is I'm going to leave you to look it up M-E-R-K-I-N. If you do know what a merkin is, you'll be know you'll know why the pair of us were in hysterical laughter. And at that point my husband said, I think you're probably going to have to stuff it first and work out where you want to put the locks on it. Um so that's what I did. I stuffed the cushion, sewed up the seam, um, because I decided I wasn't going to make it into a cushion that you could open again since you couldn't wash it very easily. Um, I thought, well, we're just going to have to take our chances with it. So I stuffed it, sewed it up, and then needle felted um, some of the locks, teased them out. Some I combed, so they lost all their lockiness and their, not so much their luster, but they obviously, um, when I combed them, they widened out um, and sort of were much less curly and were more wavy. So I needle felted some of those on a needle felted a, a sort of a cluster of the dark ones on as well. Um, really enjoyed that. I've never needle felted before. I've never wet felted like that. The only felting I've done is really the fulling in a washing machine of a bag. Um, it it was really, really good. But I think if I were to do this again, I would definitely needle felt the locks on before I stuffed it so that I could needle felt them over the um, brushy um, pad that you're supposed to needle felt onto um, because it, it had a bit more substance really than the, the stuffed cushion. Um, but I'm really pleased with it. Um, again, wasn't expecting a great deal from it because 
if you're thinking of a of a cushion in a cushion class, then I, I was guessing that a lot of people would actually put patchwork cushions in. Um, and this looks quite homespun next to that, but I was really pleased with it. It was what I wanted it to be um, when I had the idea of using the Gotland, but I decided I'd put a little card underneath it to explain um, what I'd done, because basically I thought I wasn't sure the judges would actually recognise it for what it was. Um, you know, I, and I, I needed to say that I'd actually made the felt fabric that the cushion was made out of and then needle felted um, the rest on. The next um, class was an item of bobbin lace and actually that turned out there were no entries at all. I was quite cross with my mum that she didn't enter a bookmark or something but there were no entries in that so that class wasn't actually there. Um, next class was an item of craft made for a group entry and the final thing that I entered, the ninth class, was any other item of craft um, by an individual. Now if you remember I'd been plying the pick perfect um, that lovely twinkle with the purples and the greens with the plan of making a liesel. And I was going to put in the liesel with a little tiny hank of leftover um, yarn to show that it was a garment made from yarn that I'd spun myself. The trouble is, because I, because I needed to make it a four-ply, I ended up with only 260 odd or 280 odd yards of it. Now, I'm a big girl, so if I'm going to make a liesel that fits me, then I'm only going to be able to make the little shrug one, the little bolero one. And I decided that I didn't really want to necessarily put that in. I couldn't work out how to put the fastening on it either. And again, time ran away with me and I hadn't started. Um, work on it. It's quite a quick pattern. I've knitted before, Liesel. It, it, although I, I ended up frogging it, it does knit up quite quickly, but it hadn't, I hadn't done it. <laughs> Here I am again, you know, in July, <laughs> not having started this knitting. But I was saved by the fact that it was the Tour de Fleece. You know, in amongst all of this, when I'm up to my eyeballs in assessment data at school and getting everything sorted and everything up to date, and trying to make many things for the show, I decide that I'm going to take part in the Tour de Fleece, which is, if you're not familiar with it, which is a basically a spinning challenge that runs in parallel to the Tour de France bicycle race. Every day that the cyclists race, you spin. Every day they rest, you have a rest. And you, you know, there are different challenges that you can take part in, but I decided I just wanted to do it to actually get some practice at spinning um, on a regular basis. So I actually lost a whole week in the middle of it when my spinning wheel was in school, um, being the main prop in the year six production of um, Sleeping Beauty. Um, but, you know, I wasn't too worried about it. I got some carded bats from Yummy Yarn and it was a mixture, I don't know the, the, the proportions, but it was a mixture of merino, bamboo, silk, Firestar, which of course gives it a twinkle, and um, some mohair threads in there, which made it a bit slubby and, and gave it a little bit of a yarn, art yarn texture. I spun it quite thin, and there was just over, um, or, well I ended up taking about 10 grams for um, a little speed trial before the, the tour started, and then 
no, at the beginning of the tour, sorry. And then I spun the rest of it, so that turned out to be about 98 grams, um, into um, singles and then two, made a two-ply out of it. The two-plies come out um, at, you know, a similar weight, I suppose, to Pochon, Emily. It's, it's, um, it's a fingering weight. It's, it's, I've come out with just a shade under 382 yards for 98 grams. Um really pleased with it actually it's um it's called the colorway is called duchess of cambridge so there's lots of um blues i think it it was probably took its inspiration from her um kate middleton's engagement outfit which if you saw it was that lovely royal blue um because there's a lot of royal blue in there but there's some other colors in there there's some little bit of green some white some mauve and then this pale blue um, mohair thread so I spun that up and I decided right I would put that in um, as my any other item of craft so I arrived half six on Saturday morning with my box full of goodies set everything up um, was delighted to see that there were a lot of entries in the knitting class um, after I think there were only about four entries last year um, quite a few entries in the in the baby knitting class as well not as many as in the main knitting I don't think um, in the crochet there was only two items, so I thought, well, pff, that's me with um, hopefully second prize, but, you know, maybe not. Um, the beaded item, there was only three um, entries in, and one was mum's bauble, um, and then mine. And cushions, there was only, I think there were, there were four in that, but there was... Um, a lot in the any other item of craft and there were some really varied entries in there there was um, some beautiful needlework a little Victorian style neat purse done in needlework um, with matching um, I think there was a needle case and a scissors case and a pincushion beautiful beautiful work um, there was um, well, I couldn't work out whether it was a, a decoration or a, a sort of a cloche hat but it was made of buttons and felt and all sort of wired together which was really interesting there was some stained glass in there um a color work hood that basically came over and then sort of went over your shoulders so it was very medieval style hood um done in color work that was lovely really really nice um but you know popped all my things in uh stood everything up went over again an hour later um just you know about half seven now horrified to see that the peel-offs that I'd used on my card were beginning to peel off because the air was so damp and my cards were sort of bending so sort of like ah um but you know sorted it out stood them back up again and saw that there were lots of people coming in and bringing their things um and it was there was a really high standard of entry um and I was really pleased the knitting classes when I was having a look at them there was no real um, there was no real use of fun fur. I mean, a little bit, but not much. Um, the knitting was of high quality. It, there was a mixture of stuff that was done in wool and in acrylic. So it was a real nice range of, of things. There were some gloves. There were no socks this year, but there were um, colourwork mittens, um, a colourwork tamashanta, um, a, a number of scarves, um, a baby blanket in the baby items um, that was beautifully done. Well, not a, a blanket, sorry, a shawl, beautifully done. Um, so I, I was really pleased to see how many 
entries there were. There were, although some of the classes were, as I say, down in numbers. Um, the actual overall number of entries was much much better which was absolutely brilliant i was really pleased to see that um it came to eight o'clock and the judge arrived to start judging the junior art um, where i was stewarding and i decided that i couldn't actually be in the tent whilst they were judging the handicrafts um personally i wouldn't be able to stay away and i couldn't hover around because obviously that's not right as, a, as an exhibitor um, you're not supposed to be in there as an exhibitor or a member of public anyway so although I was entitled to be in there because I was a steward I just felt that it was wrong so I decided to go out and my dad decided to come with me so we went all around the um, livestock and you know he saw more of the show than he's seen in years um, and of course because I was going with my camera I was going at quite a slow pace so he said I was sort of quite well matched to him I have to say, I've never been in the livestock area that early in the morning. If you get a chance and do go to an agricultural show this year, try and get there early if you can, because there is nothing funnier than watching a grown man blow-drying a cow. It is just hysterical. Um, I mean, I know that they obviously wash them and polish them and, you know, make them look beautiful, but I've never actually seen them do it. And when we walked in the cattle tent, there was, um, over on the um, Herefords, there was a couple of men shampooing their Herefords, and it was just like shampooing a car. You know, they were, they were sort of squirting some squirty-on shampoo and sort of brushing them around in circles. So it was like um, washing upholstery, really. Um, by the milkers in the, the Holsteins, the Holsteins are a black and white. Um, they're very similar to Frisians. Black and white breed. And they... This man was blow-drying um, the cow. Now, they're a very closely cut cow. They don't have long hair. Um, so he's blow-drying them and making her look beautifully shiny. I swear he was spraying something on that was looks like that back-to-black stuff that you spray on your bumper. You know when your bumper goes grey in the sun and you have a plastic bumper and you spray it on to turn it black again? I'm sure it wasn't, but it, it certainly looked like that's what he was spraying on this cow to bring her up to a nice shine. Um beautifully turned out they were had a lovely time um saw some borore sheep and actually got the offer of a borore fleece um unfortunately i couldn't get it because it was a little bit far away um but she the the lady said they burnt most of theirs this year oh you know borore it's the rarest breed of sheep we have in britain it's a little primitive sheep and they don't tend to need shearing because they tend to shed their fleece everywhere anyway um and she's burning it <laughs> But, um, unfortunately, I just couldn't get over there to, to get it. It was a bit far away. But it was lovely to see them. I've never seen Borrowe sheep. Um, the alpaca from Great House, uh, or Great Hill alpacas were there again, um, looking cute with their top knots. So I can put some photos of those up. But I have to say, I was terrible at taking the photographs of the craft classes because, um, well, I came back to, to the tent and decided that I would, um, you know, I'd, I'd come back in. It was 10 o'clock, judging should be over. And actually it wasn't quite over for some of the cookery classes. So I stood on the other side of a table to my mum. She was on that side and we were chatting before they let us back in. Um, and then they let us back in. And, um, of course, she wouldn't say anything. 
and and I said oh don't tell me I don't want to know that I haven't been placed in a two-itemed crochet class um so she laughed and said oh I won't say anything then so I walked past and first of all I went to the photography and I got I got placed in both classes my sticks were my stick dressing was placed third out of 13 for country life and the rabbit that my mum couldn't even recognize as a rabbit was placed second I think there were about nine or ten entries in that class so I was absolutely delighted um, with that because I just didn't think that they were going to go at all so that was absolutely delightful and then um, I walked to the handicrafts and oh I told you it's the me 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 show today honestly um, you're going to have to widen your MP3 player. <laughs> you really are, because I was blown away. Um, not everything got placed, so don't you know? Go thinking that I am, you know, the queen of everything I try because I'm not. Um, my hand spun, which was the entry in the any other item of craft, that came third. And one of the judges had written on the comments card, "I really want to knit with this," which I was just absolutely thrilled with. Um, the second judge actually came up and asked me if it was for sale. <laughs> How cool was that? Um, I didn't sell her to her, um, but never mind. I then the next item that I was that I saw was my cushion, and even though there were two beautiful patchwork cushions in there, um, and another one that was kind of like a proggy mat, rug mat, uh, rag rug type style, um, my cushion had come first. So I was absolutely delighted that my my cushion had come first. <laughs> It's just like absolutely wonderful and they were just they said it was just so lovely to see um something made with the natural fleece and it was really interesting to to see something very very different and i, I later found out they'd actually dithered um between that and the beautiful needlework um case with the the sewing smalls in the any other item of craft as to which one was going to be best in show but they went for that instead um, my three handmade cards came third and that was a big field there was a lot in there as well so that came third I was delighted with that as well um, didn't get anything for my little recycled bag but I'm not surprised because what came first in that class was a beautiful rag rug made from um, recycled t-shirts and it was a beautiful scene and I'm so cross that I didn't take a photograph of it because it was a scene of beach huts and it was so colorful and really really beautiful absolutely lovely um, and well deserving um, of the first prize it was really really nice uh, my beadwork came second um, mum's came first of course which uh, you know well it would have been a travesty if it had been anything else really because it was just absolutely wonderful my embroidered picture didn't get placed um, and neither did either of my pieces of knitting um, which Andy thinks is really funny because um, you know it was my gateway drug wasn't it knitting that was the, how I got into all of this um, my crocheted item my crochet scarf though that came first um, so in the handicraft section I ended up with two firsts a second and two thirds but because of that what that meant was I ended up with more points in the whole handicraft classes than anybody else so I ended up winning the Tame Show trophy for handicrafts so on my mantelpiece I now have a little cup with my name engraved on it to say that I am the winner of the Tame Show Trophy for Handicrafts.
oh my god <laughs> I can't believe it I really couldn't believe it I was just stunned for the rest of the day and, and I'm blaming that entirely on why I then didn't take any photographs of the rest of the crafts because it was just dreadful I, I just I can't I didn't and I'm so very very sorry that I didn't because there was some beautiful work in there this year but can I just say I spoke last week last episode about lots of different classes and, and and lots of different shows and how some of the shows are still open for entry go on go and show off your skills because I didn't think that I was going to get anywhere but I was doing it because I just felt it was important to support this kind of thing and I got absolutely blown away blown away by what happened I wasn't expecting to win any classes at all the fact that I won some classes was absolutely brilliant um to win the trophy has just blown me away uh, it's just well I'm still speechless now looking at my little trophy on the mantelpiece um but go on use me as an example I know that this episode has been a very general craft episode not just about knitting and crochet and spinning but look at the skills you have look at the skills that you use on a day-to-day -day basis when you make your things don't shove them in a cupboard be proud of them go out and put them against other people's and let other people see your work it doesn't matter whether you win or not really I'm quite delighted with both of my knitted items even though they didn't win anything because they were of a good enough standard to show and it's taken me a long time to realize that I do make things that are a good enough standard to show and if I can do it, so can you. Thanks for listening. It really has been the me, me, me show this week, hasn't it? And until next time, take care. Bye. You've been listening to Yarns from the Plain. Show notes and links are available at the Yarns from the Plain show page at yarnsfromtheplain.podbean.com. If you'd like to contact the show, you can leave a comment over there on the show page, or you can email me at yarnsfromtheplain at googlemail.com, or message me on Ravelry, where I'm Tales from the Plain. Until next time, take care, and thanks for listening. <laughs>